species that comes in, it's not native, and it takes over the area for the native species. Once you start to bring in non-natives, that system is out of adjustment. Invasive species are attacking native trees and, and causing a real issue. At one point in my life, I was like, kill them, kill them all. Cheatgrass, they take over and nothing else will come in, and then it keeps burning. Infestation of cheatgrass. You know, God, you gotta get them out of there, because some of them could do a lot of harm. And invasive species are serious. The non-natives are winning. Invasive species have taken over vast sections of the American West. They are an ever-growing burden on the land, eradicating existing species as they spread. The Santa Fe River is one of such places that has been taken over. The river dwindles down to a modest creek once it hits the desert outside of New Mexico's capital city. There's enough water, though, to support a thick green blanket of invasive grasses along its banks. Beyond the grasses stand exotic Russian olive trees. They line the river like a row of confident soldiers who know they are winning the battle. When we visited the Santa Fe River in late October, it was clear that it had been overcome by invasive plants. Their seeds had floated in from some other place, or latched onto the fur of some animal as stowaways, each containing a potent package. At some point, cattle also came to the river, trampled the ground beside it, and grazed what native grasses were there. This created a perfect disturbance for the invasives to capitalize on. Soon after, they exploded in growth, robbing the native vegetation of all its resources, soil nutrients, water, and sunlight. The banks of the river quickly turned into a monoculture of invasive grasses, similar to those appearing all across the West. Invasive species vastly reduce biodiversity, which botanist Mary O'Brien has decided is an issue. Because it's too lonely a world with just cheatgrass and cactus. Cheatgrass is a highly competitive plant that swiftly reduces a landscape to a singular brown spiky mass. Its seeds implant into both hikers' socks and animals' fur, allowing it to travel great distances. It easily outcompetes native plants, but also brings about a host of other problems, one of which is fire. If you have just cheatgrass, which is happening on millions of acres in the West, then you have fires every three years. So you have no shrubs, because they can't survive a return interval of three years. In that case, you have no pronghorn, you have no elk, you have no deer, you have no hunting. All of these things are connected. A landscape that has historically burned every 20 years will struggle to rebound if it is burned every three. This frequency of fire drastically limits plant growth. Cheatgrass, though, is especially mischievous. When it burns, it burns so hot that the fire destroys all of the seeds in the soil, except those from the cheatgrass. So when plants regenerate after a burn, this sly invasive is the first and only one to poke its head above the earth. Cheatgrass is just one invasive species of many each with its own tactic for ousting native plants. The grasses along the Santa Fe River, although not as outwardly vicious as cheatgrass, were just as potent. They grew tall and soft, making a perfect spot for ecologist Paul Arbitan to sit with us on that late October day. As the lush green grasses blew in the breeze, they did not seem so threatening, but as Paul explained, they too were skilled at outcompeting natives. You have an ecosystem, you have a bunch of species in there, They've adjusted to each other, evolved against each other, they've co-evolved. If you throw something else in, it really can change the system because now all the players and the relationships to each other are a little different. Oftentimes, a way to rebalance the relationships in an ecosystem 
is to eliminate the player that set everything off. Restoration crews spend days, weeks, months removing invasive species in hopes that the system will realign itself. They pull, spray, and then revegetate areas covered with invasives, often to no avail. So then why is there such a focus on invasive removal? Paul thinks he has an answer. Invasives, they happen because human beings are here. And there's a place, and that place evolved. And here it had, it had several potentials to go this way or that way or this. And we shouldn't have messed with that. And we did. And so let's fix the air. And I think that's genuine and, and reasonable. So there's an element of responsibility when it comes to invasive species management. It's an attempt at righting our wrongs. Plants like cheatgrass have traveled from as far as Central Asia. The Russian olive along the banks of the Santa Fe River was also introduced to this country over a hundred years ago as an ornamental plant. It subsequently escaped to the wild and began to outcompete native willow trees. Willow serves as crucial nesting habitat for the willow flycatcher, a threatened bird species in the southwest, but the native tree is steadily being replaced by Russian olive. Invasive species often lead to habitat degradation and unhealthy environments, so we act against them. We can easily support their eradication because, like stream restoration or recycling, the management of invasive species is tangible. We can envision a verb around them. Sometimes, when at a loss of how to heal an ecosystem, we turn to invasive species management. But Paul says that in the hierarchy of bad things, invasive species don't really rank that high. It's, it's shocking to myself say this because I was you know, like, oh, we got to get rid of them. But I just think that um, there are bigger concerns. Over time, I, I came to realize that how we extract resources and energy from the planet, that problem is so big that invasives was pretty minor. So, invasive species are a problem, but they are not the only problem. When we fixate on only one harm, we often forget the other, more important issues. The focus is almost always on the invasive species instead of the disturbance that precedes it. However, these issues are disregarded when it's more convenient to study the individuals in a system instead of the connections between them. But as Paul says, No, those connections are the biological community. It's not so much the players, it's all the connections. To realize these connections is to see an ecosystem for its resiliency instead of its purity. Environments adapt. They always have. And even though an individual threatening species can upset the balance, it does not necessarily mean doom for the whole system. In fact, some invasive species serve helpful functions within their environments. The grasses that grew along the Santa Fe River, they were stabilizing the banks and preventing erosion. Because they grew so thick, they did this job better than any native grass. Other creatures within the environment will also learn to adapt. The willow flycatcher, displaced from its native home, has learned to use what's available. They now make their nests in Russian olive and have returned to an area we thought they'd never be seen in again. The environment surrounding the Santa Fe River may not be considered pure, but it is resilient. The grass is green and lush, the banks are stable, and the trees grow thick as birds dart around them and make nests in their branches. For National Public Lands Radio, I'm Cam Hancock.